the first week, uh, we looked at Jonah as what? Started with an R. The runaway. No, that's the fourth one. Yeah, let's help me come up with the fourth message title. But we looked at Jonah as the runaway. He was a guy who was faithful to do what God wanted him to do. He was a prophet. He told God's messages to God's people. And God told him, I don't, or, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, no thanks, I'm done. And he tried to go the opposite direction. Instead of going north and going east, he went south so that he could go west. And he, he found out how well that paid off for him. And through that, through that message, we saw that, you know what, we had, we had like a dozen kids up here, right? I bribed them with candy and said, what are some things that you have to do that you don't want to do, right? I got to do my chores. I got to go to school. I got to do the laundry, all sorts of things that kids came up with. But did they get out of those things, just get out of doing those things just because they didn't want to? No. They had to do those things. They are kids. They, we are their parents. We tell them to do it. They don't really have a choice. But as we get older, we, we feel like we have more freedom to say no. My wife says, hey, Josh, would you take out the garbage before I do? Well, I forgot, right? <laughs> you know, and, and finally she'll do it if I don't. But if we get older, we can say no to things, whereas as a kid, you can't. And we, we want to transpose our, our adulthood on God and say, no, I don't really want to do this. And that's what Jonah did, and that didn't work out. So we, we, we left him in the belly of a great big fish. And we looked at Jonah as the rescue, or Jonah the rescue, and he had to be rescued from the, from the, the big fish and, um, after he got tossed overboard because he wouldn't, uh, wasn't going the direction God wanted him to do, God used the fish as a taxi service to turn him around and drop him off on dry land so that he could go off to Nineveh. Today, we are finding Jonah as in the revival. Jonah finally says, okay, I'm going to go where you're asking me to go. And he's going to preach the message that God wanted him to give, which was a very simple one. Forty more days and Nineveh is going to be overturned. So that's where we're going to be at today. And as we, as you follow along through scripture, you're going to see the lesson that Jonah is living out that we must learn. And that is to take advantage and do what God has asked you to do if he gives you that opportunity, a second chance. So here's point number one. Take advantage of the next opportunity God gives you. Certain things we sure like to, God wants to he wants me to take an opportunity to, to, get, to buy a new car, you know, to take a trip. You know, we understand this idea of taking advantage of an opportunity, but Jonah's opportunity is a little bit different. He was supposed to do something he didn't want to do. God forgave him, gave him another opportunity, and so he's, he's going to have to take advantage of that. So, verses 1 through 4. Says the word of the, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started in the, to the city. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. I want to pray. I feel like my tongue is, is tied up. God, thank you for your word again. I, I just, I'm praying that you'd slow down my mind, you, you'd slow down my speech, you'd help me to enunciate, and you'd just help this to come out well, that it, it wouldn't be something that's frustrating to listen to, and it would be something that would be honoring to you, and that we'd be able to take uh, again and apply to our lives. I just pray that you'd help me to speak this well. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Nona, Nineveh, 
Yeah, I'm starting over right there. It's going to be a long day. Jonah went where he was supposed to go, and it says pretty much, Jonah went right away. It says he obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. And there's a key right there that Jonah went the right way. Um, you know, where he's going, <laughs> he's going to Nineveh. Did you know there's absolutely nothing different in Nineveh than the first time Jonah was supposed to go? He was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Well, had Jonah went the first time, it's exactly the same. The people of Nineveh are still the same. They are still poking out people's eyes. They are still cutting off people's hands and letting them wander through the city and just to, to watch them to see what's going to happen. They're still flaying people. They are still torturing people. They're still crucifying people. So J Jonah's situation is almost exactly the same as what it was. He's supposed to go talk to his enemy, and they're still doing exactly the same thing. The only difference is that Jonah smells a little bit different. He's been inside the fish for three days and three nights, and Jonah has a new motivation to go. He made a vow to God, something along the lines, I'm sure that if you get me out of this fish, I will go wherever you want, and I will say whatever you want me to say. And God gave him the second chance. And it says in verse 3 that a visit required three days. Now some debate on whether this meant that Jonah was going to go around the, the, the city of Nineveh, and it's going to take three days to do that. Others say that he went through the city of Nineveh, and it took him three days. Now, it makes more sense that Jonah's going to walk through the city if he's going to talk to people, right? He's not running laps around the city. He wants to go and share this message. Now, obviously, there's going to be a couple hundred thousand people that Jonah's going to be coming in, that are going to be around. Jonah's not going to be able to talk to every single person. I think if I was going to tell everybody in Plovna, it would take me a couple hours just to do that, you know, and get to the surrounding houses. You know, go to Baker. That's going to take a while. He's talking to hundreds of thousands of people. So I think I'm telling Steve. Steve's telling his wife. His wife is going to go tell her, her friends at the coffee shop. And it's just going to spread like wildfire. And I think that's what's taking place. And it says that the, the people of Nineveh heard what God wanted them to say. What God wanted Jonah to say, and the word got to the king, and the king said he's going to do something about that. Now picture Jonah walking through the enemy camp. You know, you can picture being a Seahawk fan walking through the Raiders, you know, or being a Cowboy fan walking through the Raiders uh, stadium. Everybody's surrounded by Raiders. You know, how many people want to go walk with your team colors through that stadium? They're not even going to kill you. Like, nobody wants to. That's like a bad stadium to go to. And here he's walking through the enemy's camp. How many of those people would love to get rid of Jonah? Right? They don't like the people of Israel. They don't like Jonah. So either Jonah has a death wish or Jonah is on the level. And Jonah's definitely got courage to go and say what God wants him to say. So all I want to focus on it right at the moment is that Jonah was, took advantage of the second chance that God gave him to go and speak to the people of Israel. He took, he took advantage of his opportunity, and guess what you need to do as well? You know, you need to take advantage of the next opportunity that God gives you. And I want to say, uh, do what Jonah did, right? He's already run away. He's getting his second chance. What, what, he, what did he do? He went right away. You know, it doesn't say that he, he tried to 
he toyed around getting on another ship and trying to go another direction. It doesn't say that he sat there for a couple of days and thought about it. I think Jonah's like, okay, I'm on dry land. I'm going to start walking now. I'm going right away, which is a good thing to do. You know, procrastination is a big word that a lot of people like to do. You know, you think about kids who, I know kids who do this. They procrastinate on their homework until Sunday night or until Monday morning. How come people are smiling? <laughs> Right, They do that until Monday morning. People procrastinate on cleaning up their room. They procrastinate on taxes until April 15th to turn that in. Right, They'll wait till the very last moment. And people will procrastinate on doing what it is that God wants them to do. But the longer you procrastinate on doing it, the more stress that's built up, the more reasons you can come up with or more excuses you can come up with to say, I'm not going to do this. I can find another something else to do instead of going and doing what God wanted me to do. So I would say, go right now. If God's put it on your heart and you can do it right now, go right now and do what needs to be done. Think about our examples that we've drugged through the last couple of weeks. You know, the first one was to go where, where God wanted you to go, to pick up and move. You know, when, I, when we talked about how you, you got that opportunity to, to move, and take a different job or a promotion, and you said, I'm not going to go, you were Jonah running away even though you were staying put. Well, when it all comes out around again, because it possibly could, you stayed put and things aren't working out and all the plans you had for yourself aren't working out and you get stressed out and you finally say, okay, God, I'm so sorry that I didn't go. Please forgive me. If you give me a second chance, I'll do this, as we saw last week, and then it shows up again. Because the guy who took your job, who wasn't supposed to take your job, it didn't work out for him. And so the job promotion opens up again and you're free to go. Or those same people who are trying to get you to move to South Dakota so that you would go take that job are knocking or calling you again saying, hey, the opportunity's there again. I would say, go right now, right? Don't, don't put it off. Don't, don't start praying about it for months and months. Don't start talking to all your neighbors and friends. If you know you were supposed to go and God gives you that opportunity to go again, you pick up and you move right now. More of a, a practical one probably is somebody that you were supposed to befriend or somebody that you were supposed to, that you knew that you were supposed to go talk to or go email or go stop by their house and visit. And you're like, man, I don't want to talk to that person. I'm busy. I don't really like that person. We don't really connect. We don't jive. And so you say, I'm not going. And finally you said, okay, God, I'll go because you're, you're just stressed out and you're, you're feeling the, the pressure. And, and hopefully if you're not doing what God wants you to do, you are feeling guilt. Hopefully you're feeling anxiety or something until you go do what God wants you to do because God has a purpose. So hopefully you can't just say, no, thanks, God, and you have no conscience that bothers you. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, hopefully that the Holy Spirit is drilling on you, constantly pushing on you until you do what you're supposed to that you didn't sear your conscience enough times that you don't feel anything anymore. So the next time you see that person, don't wait to go visit with them. The next time you feel that prompting, you're driving by their house and they just stop. Go visit them. Go up and say, hi, my name is Josh. Welcome to the neighborhood. Or hey, Jason, I was just thinking about you. I just felt like coming over and saying hi. I just felt like God wanted me to encourage you. Here you go. Right? 
All I'm doing is doing what God has asked me to do. The, my, my guilt comp, my guilty conscience is gone. I took advantage of it right now. I went immediately and I did what I felt like God wanted me to do. Anybody relate to any of this? Maybe this one that I didn't even bring up. You know, this is obviously kids in the picture, but this is not something that's only related to kids. Anybody ever get picked on by anybody at work? Or kids get picked on by anybody at school, right? And it's that's not fun. And how many people like bullies? Nobody likes bullies, especially my bully. I don't like my bully. And God might be asking you to go talk to your bully. Hmm? Like, no way am I doing that. You might say, you know what? I'm going to pick on, talk to Darren. You know, you know, Darren, I realize we haven't always seen eye to eye. You know, I, I just want to say, you know, I'm sorry for whatever it was that I did to offend you. Or I just wanted to let you know that God loves you, Darren. How many people think that's insane? Right? You're going to think that's insane. I'm going to walk up to my bully and say, God loves you. But how much more insane is it for, for uh, Jonah to go walking through hundreds of thousands of people and give them a message from God? Pretty insane. But if that's what God asks you to do, that's what you go and do it. And don't wait. You see him walking down the hall. You walk up to them and say, Caleb, blah, blah, blah. Right? You, you see him passing on the highway, the people that you would avoid. You see him at the volleyball game. Walk down the little stairs and say, you know what, Steve? I just want to shake your hand and say hi. I know we don't always get along. Whatever it is that God's asking you to say, do it right now. The more you put it off, the less like you're going to do. And you're going to just be Jonah who's running away from it. And God's going to have to bring you back around. Because a lot of times, if you don't do what God wants you to do the first time, he'll give you a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time. Some things you're stuck with. But sometimes that opportunity just keeps coming around until you finally do it. So you might as well just bite the bullet and do it the first time. It only took Jonah one chance. He screwed up. He took advantage of it the second time. Your obedience will accomplish God's intended purpose. Whatever it is that God wants you to accomplish through what you're doing, uh, what he's asking you to do, it's going to have an, 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 an accomplishment that is going to be more than what you could have done yourself. God can work through you no matter who you are, what you say, what you've done. Okay? Jonah's act of obedience accomplished an awful lot. Verses 5 through 9. It says, the Ninevites believed God and they declared a great fast. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and the nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let him give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. It says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. Right? There's an awful lot going on in this passage. First of all, we find that people believed God's word. How do we know that people believe God's word? Anybody want to throw out an answer? How do you know that people of Nineveh believe God's word? 
Yes, exactly. There was change. First of all, it says they, they, they started fasting. If you've ever fasted, that is not a fun thing to do. Uh, it means you're going without eating or without drinking. And I was a kid, we did something called a 30-hour famine, which we cheated. I didn't think about it till I grew up, but we, we, were, we didn't eat for 30 hours. We were raising money to send off to World Vision so kids could have food in other countries or something. Well, we end up drinking like gobs of grape juice. To me, that's eating. I mean, that's, that's substance, right? But going without food is not a, something typically people want to do. I ate a banana this morning. I plan to go home and eat lunch tonight. I plan to eat dinner. Fasting is a pretty big deal. And what they're, they're, they have hope, right? They don't, they don't know if God's going to do anything about this, but what they're doing is showing that they are serious about what they're going before God about. They wore sackcloth, and they were sitting in ashes. That's, that is not a comfortable clothes, you know, or a comfortable attire to be wearing. And it was, but it was a public sign of repentance and humility before God. And they made everybody do this. They, the king did it. They said, from the highest to the lowest, we are all in this together. We are not eating or drinking as a community. We are all wearing the same clothes. We are all on the same level. We are in desperate need. You know, they didn't just pray one time and say, God, please help us and move on. A lot of people will do that. I'm in a terrible situation or I, I don't like it. I'll, I'll just pray and then I'll move on. They, they say, we are in this for the long haul. We got 40 days to be, to be begging and pleading before God. And so we see that they prayed. They prayed to a God they didn't even know. They didn't go home and start praying to their own gods that they had. They prayed to Jonah's God. Jonah, who was their enemy, who came walking into their enemy camp and started telling them, 40 more days and you're going to die. Now, I don't know how Jonah said that. Did he say, 40 more days, guys, and you're done? 40 more days and you're done. Right? I don't know what he did. But these people heard the message. And they, they were... Their, their behavior was changing. They were fasting. They were praying to a God they didn't even know. They had no idea if he was even going to be merciful to them or not. But they were praying anyway. And we see that they changed. As Nicole said, when I gave an opportunity to tell me, well, how did you know there was a that they were believing the message? It says they changed. It says in verse 8, let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Pretty big change, right? They stopped right now from be, doing what they had, were in the process of doing. They, they were repenting. They were changing their ways all because Jonah went to say 40 more days and then you're going to be destroyed. All because they were putting their hope that God would forgive them. And they're, they're, they're like changing, right? You know, a lot of people, when they get saved, there's not this huge difference between them. I, I want to ask you a question. I want you just to think about it, okay? Um, I'm going to relate with some of you here. Some of you I'm not going to relate to. But I want you to think about what has your life been like since you met Jesus? Right? Is there, are you still, are you barely different? Or have you, have you made drastic strides in your life to be different? You know, there are some people, they get saved, and it is like a huge night and day difference. That's what it was like for Jonah, or when he talked to the people in Nineveh. They, they, they right now, we stopped torturing people. We stopped hurting people. We stopped our evil ways right now, moving forward. And this is where I'm going to relate to some of you. Well, I've been a Christian my whole life. 
I went to church ever since birth practically. I, I got saved when I was five years old. You're still, I'm in your boat, okay? I'm right with you on this. How, 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 what does your life look like compared to when you got saved still, right? Are you, are you, do you still look like the world? Are you doing exactly what the world's doing? Are you saying exactly what the world's saying? Or are you different? Am I giving up the things that I struggled with at that age? You know, in our Sunday, or our Wanda class, I got pretty blunt with those boys and, and Brianna. And they'll probably go home and tell you and be, you'd be shocked, right? But I'm a different man. I grew up, I struggled with this, and my life is changing as I go. What does your life look like? Are you still saying those same words? Are you still doing those same things? Are you different no matter whether you were saved at five or whether you are saved at 40? There's got to be a difference. If you, are, if you are truly believing God's word, your life is going to change. It's just the way it is. So what does your life look like? Has it changed? Has it changed from last week, 20 years ago? Are you still that same person moving forward? True repentance, there is going to be change. And it says in verse 10, that God chose not to destroy those people. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Now, God threatened destruction on those people. How come he didn't do it? Did God lie? Because he said 40 more days and you're going to be destroyed. Did God lie? Well, Hebrews 6.18 says it's impossible for God to lie. So no, God did not lie. Did God change his mind? Well, I don't feel like doing that anymore. Well, Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, not a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So did God change his mind? Here's, here's what happened. The situation changed. If you read Jeremiah verses 18 and 7 and 8, it says, if at any time... I announced that a nation or kingdom will be uprooted, which is what was supposed to happen to Nineveh, uh, and torn down and destroyed. And if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. That, that nation was bounded for destruction. That nation is going to face destruction in the book of Nahum. So if you want to see the sequel to how this really turns out another generation later, they, they finally do get what they... God coming to him, but this generation says, I am going to turn to the Lord. I am going to repent. I am going to change. And so God said, I'm going to keep my word and I'm going to keep my, my character. And if, because you're willing to change your ways, I'm willing to relent and not inflict on you the disaster I had planned. Now, the sad part of this, and we looked at this in Sunday school, and I think verses nine and 10 kind of says the opposite. If God says, hey, you're going to succeed and then you turn away from God, then I'm going to change, I'm going to relent and not give you that good that you were expecting. So make sure that you are walking with the Lord and doing what he's asked you to do. Because if he wants to bless you and you say, I'm going to walk away from the Lord, you're not going to receive that blessing. But if this is your life, you know, if you are living a life that reflects Nineveh, or you've been walking down the pat, the bad path road, you know, and I don't know it, and other people don't know it, but you've been walking down those roads. It's not too late. You, you, you have, you're, you're here. You're living. You're breathing. From this point on, it's a new day, and you can make a new change. And if God had planned that you were going to walk a disaster road or a consequence, you may 
he may relent on that because you've turned your life to him. So don't say, man, my life was, even though I've been saved, I've been. Who cares? Repent of that and move forward and do the right thing from this point on. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hope in here, I think, of, of a life that can be changed. Anybody's life can be changed. Your enemy's life can be changed. So nobody is off limits. Don't say that person's too far gone. They all need Jesus. So you, you want to do what God wants you to do. It's going to accomplish something, right? Your, your step of obedience is going to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. So when you pick up and move, you know, I don't know what that's going to, to mean for you. I don't know what that's going to mean for your family. I don't know that when you get there, you might be the only light down there in your office. And God says, I needed somebody there to be a light in that neighborhood or that school or that office. And you're going to accomplish that. You might get there and wonder, what did God keep me from? Because I don't really feel like I'm doing anything. Maybe had you stayed here, something awful would have happened. But God moving you has protected you from something. It will accomplish something. And I know we have no idea. We may not know. But it starts with the step of obedience. And then just leave the results up to God. When you choose to befriend somebody... You know, you don't have any idea whether your meeting somebody as a friend is going to keep them from taking their own life. I, I, there's a story that I, I thought about looking up and I didn't, but there was a kid at a school that was cleaning out his locker. He's going to go home and he's going to end his life. He didn't really want to make it easy on his mom, so he took everything out of his locker. He was going to take it home so she'd never have to go back to that school. Well, some kid decided to befriend that kid. That day, it was like a Friday afternoon, became his friend, and that kid decided to keep living. And he had no idea the impact that he had until graduation, when the kid who was going to kill himself said, I was about to go home and die, but this person came into my life. Right? That's a pretty powerful story. I could start getting emotional if I thought about it. But you have no idea what you're befriending somebody, what it, uh, what's that going to accomplish. Maybe their grandkids are going to start coming to Iwana. Maybe they're, maybe your friends from school are going to change their behavior. Who knows? God's going to do something through your step of obedience. It's just a matter if you're willing to go. You might find out that person wants nothing to do with you. I went and said hi to my neighbors. <laughs> you know, they want nothing to do with me. Okay, well, at least... I'm free. I don't have to feel guilty about that. But it's accomplishing what God wants to accomplish. Going and sharing Jesus with your enemy, saying Jesus loves you, the last thing in the world you want to say. You know that that person might eventually get saved and change the direction of their family for generations to come. You, have, you don't know. Uh, maybe they won't trust Jesus. But now they have no excuse when they stand before God to say, I didn't ever hear about Jesus. I never heard that message. It's going to accomplish whatever it is that God wants to accomplish. You have no idea. And we can, we can come up with scenarios and, and thoughts about what could possibly happen, but you have no idea. All you can do is this. All you can do is bank on the fact that when you do what God wants you to do, it's going to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Our scripture reading Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 11. You know, the rain, when it falls on the ground, it's going to, bring, it's going to soften the earth. It's going to help things to grow um, and making it flourish. It, so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is God's word. 
It's going to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. We read it and we talk about it in Sunday school. You hear about it from me. You know, if, 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 if you hear, you know, you're hearing these, if you're reading your Bible on your own, David Jeremiah, right? Whatever it is that you're getting intake from God's word and whatever you take and give it, it may feel like it's doing nothing. It's accomplishing nothing. Nobody even cares. But God's going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through his word. So if you go and befriend that person, if you go and say Jesus loves you, or if you move because God has asked you to move, you are going to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. That's what Jonah was learning. And he should be the most excited guy in all of history. He's got the biggest revival ever. I don't think anybody in the the ever has... You you add up their whole life. Ministry doesn't equal this. Billy Graham or Franklin Graham, I don't think is going to equal this kind of revival. We'll see next week he wasn't happy about it. But that's next week. Jonah was cruising along. Jonah was happy. He was was willing to go to God's people and tell them anything God wanted them to, to hear. Whatever God wanted him to say. You know, there's a lot of things that God asks us to do that we're happy to do. Yep, sure, I'll go help in a want of God. I'll fold the bulletins. I'll, you know, I'll shovel off the sidewalk or, or whatever. You know, I'll, I'll call up my family or, and call up certain people and, and chat with them. Those are easy things to do, but sometimes God throws in something a little bit harder to do. That's what happened with Jonah. And his first response was like, no, thank you. I'm not doing that. And that's our first response. You face the consequences, and God loves you. He wants to use you. He has a purpose for you, so he brings that opportunity around. So when God gives you that second chance, just go for it. Don't think about it. Don't worry about how it's going to turn out and all the the possibilities of, of how it could end. Just say, okay, God, I'm going to take this step of faith and do what you've asked me to do. Don't be like Jonah. Next time, just go for it. And i got to preach this to myself, okay? Because I'm just like you. I get afraid as well. God asked me to do things that I'm not comfortable with. I had an opportunity at school uh, through a course of a conversation where on the spot I should have said something. And I didn't. So later that day, guess what I had to go do? I had to reopen that can and, and have that little conversation, which was a little more awkward if I, instead of if I would have done it at the start. So I'm, I would love to just say, man, you guys got to get this down. And you guys have to do this. But I'm looking at myself too. I have to do this too. So I don't even want to preach this. <laughs> Honestly, I don't want to say this because I know it's hard. But I know that God is good. I know that he's chosen to use people like us to do his will. And he's trusting us. And he's going to accomplish what he wants us to do. We just have to be faithful and do it. So be encouraged to get out there and go the first time to do, to say, to go wherever it is that God's asking you to go. And trust him with the outcome. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I, I know we look at Jonah and we see a guy who's who's got a bad rap, you know, because he didn't want to go and do what you wanted him to do. Well, we all can fit in that those shoes. We all understand and know what that's like. God, but he did go, and he was faithful to, to talk to the people that you want him to talk to, God. And these people turned and repented, which is amazing that they that they would do that, God. And you... They were, you relented of the punishment that you were going to give them. God, I just pray that whatever it is that you are asking us to do or where you want us to go or what you want us to say, that we would be faithful to do those things and, and rely on you for the outcome. God, because you are good. You came to this earth to die on a cross 
to give us salvation so that we could have eternal life. I just pray that, God, we would live whatever days we have left for your honor and your glory and be as faithful as we can in it and, and leave the results up to you. We just give you this, the rest of our day. Help us to be faithful to it, to what you've put before us. We give you our week. Help us to have the courage that we need moving forward to be faithful to accomplish what you want us to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen.